Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Delighted today to be your podcast host for the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts your policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency without you having to hire more staff, programmers, or technologists. If you haven't done it lately, do yourself a big favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of their award-winning software today. Uh, again, delighted to bring you into this podcast and invite you to participate in this conversation. This is a terrific conversation with Matt Messiello. Matt is the CEO of SIAA, perhaps the largest network of independent insurance agents on the planet, roughly 5,000 agencies in his network, close to $10 billion in premium, selling policies in 48 states. Matt has a, a unique insight on the trends and forces that are shaping the industry and what agents need to do about those trends and forces. Um, in the beginning of his book, um, there's, a, there's a quote from somebody who knows Matt very well who says that Matt Massiello is um, perhaps the only person in the insurance industry that can... Um, negotiate a multi-million dollar contract with a national carrier in the morning and then um, advise a mom and pop agency startup on agency operations in the afternoon. And I think you'll uh, agree with me that Matt has um, not only a strategic understanding of where the industry is going, but a um, tactical understanding of how agents need to address the future and what they need to do now to be successful in the future. So, a um, couple of housekeeping announcements, and I will invite you to enjoy this conversation. Of, of course, uh, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, uh, do that. Uh, also, please follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. Uh, if we've earned your loyalty, I'd be, uh, of course, infinitely grateful for a five-star review. Um, and I also want to thank everybody for the inquiries and participation in my course, Marketing in the Modern Age of Insurance. If you, um, if you do want to find out more about that, please visit me. I'll be hosting a live Zoom call. I'll be able to answer any questions you've got at www.michaeljanslive.com. And now, without further ado... It is my pleasure to introduce you to this conversation with the CEO of SIAA, Matt Massiello. Matt Massiello, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Okay. Uh, well, thrilled to um, uh, have you on this podcast. And well, uh, there's so much I want to dive into. You've um, recently published a book. 
I've seen your uh, PowerPoint presentation, and obviously you and I have had a lot of conversations in the last oh, six weeks or so. So uh, before we dive into some of this juicy stuff, um, for our listeners who may not know you or SIAA as well as I do, uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, Matt Massiello, I'm CEO of uh, SIA. We are a network of independent agencies operating across the country in 48 states. Do business with around 5,000 agencies. We've got about 48 uh, master agencies who are our partners that help sort of execute on the business model uh, around the country uh, with the agencies and work with the carriers. Uh, and I've actually been with the organization for uh, 28 years, uh, spent about a decade as a chief operating officer as we built out SIA and became a CEO about two and a half years ago. All right. So <clears throat> unique perspective on the industry, right? So you've got, like you said, close to 5,000 agencies and uh, and really of all sizes, because I know, you know, on one hand, you've got, you know, uh, on the street, um, some mom and pops. And then you've got, um, you know, people like um, Tony Caldwell, who I just uh, recorded a podcast with, um, you know, obviously uh, much, much larger. So you deal with agencies of all sizes and carriers of all sizes. Unique perspective. That must be interesting for you. It is a unique perspective, and we can even go downstream a little bit further in that uh, we actually help insurance professionals create independent agencies. So we go all the way down to startups. Uh, uh, and so uh, in a given year, we'll help, uh, I don't know, 250 to 350 professionals start their own independent agency, uh, you know, locally in their community. Hopefully some of them are starting as digital agencies, but it's sort of a fun perspective because to your point about dealing with local independent agencies, local larger and regional agencies, and then the carrier sort of gives a, a great point of view from uh, Main Street to Wall Street and in, in how the industry is uh, changing and evolving. Right on. Well, that's what we're, that's the first area I want to dive into with you is how the industry is changing, right? So there's a lot of ways we can approach this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you to uh, respond to a quote from you uh, that I think you may have delivered to me previously in a conversation where you said, this is the best time to be in the industry. Yeah, th this is absolutely the best time to be in the industry. And for those of us that, again, so for me, it's going on three decades, but I know from day one, people would come to me and say, oh my gosh, you know, this industry, you know, independent agencies are dinosaurs. You know, in the last 10 years, it was, you guys are going to go by the way of the travel agent. And uh, it's just not uh, going to happen. And, you know, it's a valuable service that independent agencies deliver. And the basic fact is, is the other forms of distribution, specifically the exclusive and the captive channel, are now the ones that are much more challenged. And I think as captive and exclusive channel starts to shrink for various reasons, one is uh, uh, some of those individuals are fleeing the captive channel and becoming independent agencies. But I think some of the carriers that have multi-channel distribution are determining that the captive and the exclusive channel is expensive. And so as they stop either growing or replacing or perpetuating their captive offices in all of our hometowns, it creates a vacuum that I think independent agencies can fill that void in a community. And so, um, you know, while we see there's some business that's moving over to direct to consumer, uh, independent agencies have the ability to get a lot, a good portion of the former exclusive and captive business in their community. Cause these people are used to doing business with agencies. They're used to doing business locally and, and they don't know the difference between a captive agent and an independent agent. Anyways, all they know is they have a local agent. 
So um, to put this in a little bit of an historical perspective, um, the, the captive channel, the market share for the captive channel has been shrinking a little bit. Am I right? It has. In personal lines and small commercial lines. And it, you've it got has. some data on that. What do you see happening I, there? I do. I'm going off screen for a second. We're going to go impromptu here. So, so what we've been seeing here uh, is over about a 10-year period, uh, the captive channel's down about four points. Uh, and over that period, the direct channel's up about four points. And so that would sort of tell you, and independent agencies are flat, so that would sort of tell you that we're holding our own. Holding our own's not good enough. Um, that's sort of like, hey, I woke up this morning, I can't wait to be average. So one of the things that we're seeing is the captive channel is growing in auto. Um, and they're taking some of that from independent agencies, about one point, but they're taking about four points from, I'm sorry, the direct channel is growing about six points in auto. They're taking about a point of that from us and about five points from the former captives or the exclusive channel. I think in some instances we can give them some of that business. I actually, and you and I have talked about this before, I think some of that premium that we're losing in automobile is that lower limit, poor retention, high service, low commission, if you place it with an independent agency company, automobile business. So we should maybe let them have that uh, if they really want it. But is your sense uh, more. on that bi- yeah, on the business ahead. that you think we might be losing, is your sense that it's a loss on the top line, but maybe a, an ad on the bottom line? I, I, I think it is, and I, and I, but I think we should see more of an ad as we pull more of the preferred business away from the captives and the exclusive channel. Uh, okay, so let um, so I want to go back to something you said a moment ago that the captive channel is more expensive. So um, more expensive in uh, operating ratio, more expensive in combined ratio. Um, what makes it so? I, I think our understanding from the carriers that have multi-channel distribution is it's more expensive for them. So uh, obviously they have more overhead. They have ah. to provide more services to these agencies. You know, as independent agencies, you know, we do our own advertising. You know, it's our job to go out and get the business. It's our job to sort of service the client. So that's evolving over time. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, and then the other part of it is those captive uh, uh, companies, um, you know, they have seen that their direct-to-consumer channel um, uh, is also offering the same product as the captive channel, and that is lower cost for them. And so I think I think it's less of them having an issue, those carriers having an expense issue of their captive versus their IA channel. I right. think it's more of an expense issue of their captive versus their direct-to-consumer direct channel. And they see that... Um, uh, there's some overlap in that business. You know, when we talk to the carriers that have uh, uh, multiple channels of distribution, they'll tell us that, you know, our customer doesn't necessarily look like the direct customer, right? They, they look a lot different. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, let's go back to one other thing that you said. Um, <clears throat> I was certainly part of those conversations in the industry when, oh, uh, when the world became digital and the internet connected everybody and we saw our cousins over in the travel agency business really get hurt very, very badly. Now, back in the day, uh, I did some research on that and what I discovered, I I think they, I think, uh, and it's been probably 10 years since I did this research, but they lost, uh, you know, very quickly, they probably lost, I can't remember the exact number, but let's say it's somewhere around two thirds of the agency's gone, right? So, you know, just like you'd see an insurance agency in a strip mall or something, you use, remember you used to drive by a strip mall and there were posters of Bermuda and what have you, right? That's gone. 
Um, interestingly, the surviving travel agencies actually grew, um, but overall, the amount of volume that flowed through the agency shrunk uh, um, substantially, dramatically. Um, and so people were then saying, well, the same thing's going to happen over here because you're an intermediary just like they are. And, uh, you know, there's always a period after a, after a major sort of technological shift, it seems that there's always some period of turbulence. And I think we were in that period of turbulence for a good, I'd say probably a good 20 years. Why do you think the independent insurance channel has um, remained as uh, stable or really robust as it is, whereas other industries with intermediaries got hurt? Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, we were in the travel business. So oh, I actually got oh, this. Oh, I, I did I, not I, know I, that. Yeah. Yeah. My father actually owned a travel agency. So I actually had a front row seat to that. Okay. So, I'm not surprised. So first of all, I'm not surprised. But secondly, uh, yeah. Tell me what, yeah, what happened? So, I, I think I think part of, by the way, I just jump to our our opportunity here is we can learn from other industries. You know, true to form, the 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 insurance industry, we're five years behind everybody else when it comes to technology and digital capabilities and all that. So we can sort of learn from what happened there. Um, but but I do think that, and, and you already said this, is the travel agencies that remained, they're bigger. They're stronger. Uh, they provide services. They provide uh, services, right? Right. They they and then look in some instances because where the travel agencies originally got hurt was when airlines stopped paying commissions. Um, and we all know now when we call a travel agency, whether it's American Express or a local travel agency, we pay forty bucks for an airline ticket, and we don't complain about it. If yeah. we do complain about it, we can go book a quick JetBlue online, and and so they found a way to adapt. They found a way to grow. And I think the advantage with um, uh, insurance agencies is uh, the technologies that are coming out are going to help us to adapt. They're going to help us to grow. Um, and, and I and I still believe that, uh, and I know we have comparative rating and this and that and the other thing, but it is a more complex product. This is not an airline ticket. We're not simply shopping price. We're shop now, now, if you're trying to save 15% in 15 minutes, it's not a complex product. But if you are trying to cover the auto and the home and the umbrella and the boat and the Harley and the and the lake house and the small business and the BOP and the EPLI and the workers comp, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden you need your travel agent to navigate your choices. And, and so I think that's where we can do a better job. I think the risk to independent agencies is still uh, at this point. Are we really providing the consumer what they need? Are we providing the consumer the path uh, to buy the insurance the way they want, yet still use an agent? Are we providing them the path to service the policy the way they want, but still have an advocate in an agent, right? And what I do think you, that's so what, what do you think? Realize. Well, I, I, I don't think we are yet. But what's the gap? So, so uh, describe where do you think we are now and what the gap is? And then, you know, what do we need to do to close that gap? Yeah, and, and I think you break it down into sales and service, right? Okay. So from a sales standpoint, uh, we all know that, and I won't get my numbers completely correct here, but I don't know, 70% of people start the insurance buying process online. We have to connect that gap so when they find it online, they can get to us and we can provide sort of the final either human touch or just a little bit of information they need to push it over the edge. When we get on the phone with a consumer, <clears throat> we're going to sell the policy, Right. But we've got to connect that digital, uh, that trust, that experience. We've got to connect those things uh, to tie digital into sales, right? 
on the and 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 we can't and we all should recognize this as consumers. We can't tell somebody how to buy a product, right? I can get in the car right now and I can go over to Best Buy and buy an Apple product, or I can go to Amazon and buy it, or I can go to Apple and buy it. Right. right? And it's just a matter of which one I'm going to do at that moment. And we have to sort of think the same way as insurance agents that we have to give our consumers the ability to research and buy their product online from us, um, or, or they're going to go someplace where they can get the experience they want. And I think service is the same thing. I think with service, you know, we all sit here as independent agencies and say, my unique value proposition is service. Now you've been doing this for a long time. How many agencies over your career have told you that their unique value proposition is service? Oh gosh, oh. I never heard that one before. <laughs> so, but, but it's up to the consumer to determine that. And so we need to be giving the consumer the ability to do self-service, right? 70% of the consumers want to do it yourself. So self-service, we need to give them either service centers or agency VAs or something like that. But we also still need to be available because we are an advocate for the customer. So when the other things fail, uh, or if we have clients that are not quite ready for that yet, or a certain uh, age group that's not quite ready for that yet, we still have to provide service, but we've got to give options to these people. And what will happen, by the way, as the consumers get more and more sophisticated, they'll choose the options more likely in a DIY uh, or a self-service capability, which frees us up to do what? Sell more and interact with our clients more. All right. Uh, so to go back to sort of to, to my original question, why do you think this is the best uh, time to be in the industry? It, it sounds like um, on one hand, there, there's some major, major forces over which we don't have control. Uh, the, the captive channel is um, probably going to experience some shrinking. Right. Uh, the direct channel will probably experience some growth in personal lines and small commercial lines. Uh, but your premise is that um, some substantial part of the business that they will take, we're, we really should be happy to sacrifice, right? Okay. I, I believe so, yes. Yeah, all right. So um, uh, if you were a, um, an independent agency principal right now, okay, uh, really of any size, what, what occurs to you as the – uh, the most important things to take it um, to pay attention to that might be different than what it was um, before the before the era that we're in right now. Yeah, th this is going to seem self-serving and obvious, but it's what I wrote the book about. It's the digital insurance agency. Um, and when we talk about being a digital insurance agency, we're not saying you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. There are uh, incredibly, incredibly wonderful, successful insurance agencies that are listening to this. And, and what we what we want them to do is not reinvent their wheel. We want them to take a look at the capabilities and the things that made them successful and figure out where they can apply digital capabilities to make them even better. And we've talked about the the captive channel. We've talked about the direct channel. You know, we you know the billions of dollars that is spent there. And one of the things I'm a firm believer on is digital levels the playing field. So if I'm an independent agency today, I've got a couple goals. Um, one is I am going to become a more agile, uh, lower cost or cost efficient business model than we have traditionally been. And I am going to create a digital footprint in my community, which could be a geographic community, could be a digital community, uh, to level the playing field. Those two things, agile uh, and efficient, 
and creating a digital footprint in your community, geographic or digital community, uh, I believe will level the playing field. And it's funny, I was talking to a group of agencies just earlier today, and, and the discussion was, you know, for example, for us at SIA, hey, are you guys going to do some national branding? Or are you going to, you know, you know, go toe to toe with, you know, X, Y, Z? And the response is no. I mean, we can't. We don't have that type of money. But if you spend your money locally in creating your digital footprint in conjunction with your community involvement, the community involvement of your staff, look, that that sign in the outfield is still worth its price in gold because uh, people see it out there. It's all brand recognition. Um, so, and so, so, so keep, agency, keep sponsoring the little things. league. <laughs> keep keep yeah. sponsoring the little. Okay, got it. Keep keep doing stuff in town. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, how? Uh, so, an honest assessment. Okay. You you got you have a good view on this. There's a big opportunity. I think you're saying there's a big opportunity, and and I think you're saying that the opportunity is outpacing the threats. So, what? What? I want to dive back into the threats in a bit, but. Yeah. When you when you're looking at the, op, the at the opportunities that the agency force is facing right now, how do you think we're doing? Uh, well, if we look at the ten year numbers, we're still average. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'd say okay. I'd say we're holding our own, but I'm pretty sure no, nobody listening to this wants to get up in the morning and hold their own. So I, I think the opportunity is there. It's really going to come down to which are the travel agents that want to seize the opportunity and which are the ones that are going to disappear from the strip mall. And so I'm hoping more will seize the opportunity than disappear. And, and that's why there's so many people like you and myself and other folks that are, that are actually out here trying to help agencies in general, not just the agencies we do business with. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go through a few bullet points with you here because I, uh, <clears throat> I was reviewing your PowerPoint presentation earlier this morning. All right. So you listed some opportunities. Um, number one, well, you did say it's the most exciting time to be an independent insurance agent. We've covered that. Um, so next bullet point of uh, the shrinkage of the exclusive agency. So you've talked about that. And so you see that we're going to be picking up some of their customers and some of their better customers. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just their customers we're picking up. We're picking up their agents, too. OK. All right. So, so let's talk about that for a moment. OK. And I, and I suspect you're picking up some of their agents. Right. So so when you say you help 350, I couldn't I, I couldn't help but wonder when you're saying you're helping up to 350 insurance agencies become startups. Um, it, um, would I be right in guessing that some of them are experienced insurance agents leaving a captive universe? Yeah. So uh, in our world, we don't do business with anybody that's not an experienced insurance agent where, you know, we. We don't put people in the insurance business. We take insurance professionals uh, and we can set them up in their own agency. About half of the uh, startup agencies that we do will be former captives or exclusives uh, that leave, honor uh -huh. their covenants, open up an independent agency in their community. The other half, by the way, are uh, producers and account executives that leave independent agencies. Uh, maybe they got caught up in an M&A scenario. Right uh, maybe they thought there was going to be perpetuation and there wasn't. So it's about 50-50 for us, but they are all experienced professionals. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you, like you said, you've been in, the, in this space for 30 years. Is that a trend, the, um, the exodus from the captive universe? Is that a trend that's accelerating or has it always been there? 
So it, it's a, a yes and yes, right? So it's yeah. always been there. I think our, our second or third agency that joined us in New Hampshire back in the 80s was a, a nationwide agent. So okay, uh, it, it has always been there. Uh, it, it's accelerated. I mean, you see companies now uh, that have much smaller captive channels than they did in the past. Um, and, and for us, you know, we don't, it's not a fire hose. We sort of view the exodus from the captives as it sort of uh, fills up our funnel uh, every year, right? It just could be a different company that's taking some action or doing some things. So it's been sort of a, it's not a trickle. It's been a steady flow over the last several years. Got it. Okay. And, and so, um, what, what do you see as the force that's pushing them, pushing captive agents to say, Hey, I mean, I mean, in, in my experience, you're right. It's always been there. I always had clients who thought, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And, and, and maybe it was. But now, what do you think is pushing them out now to explore the independent side of the business? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a self-motivation and then there's a, a carrier motivation, right? So we know that the carriers are looking for uh, the, the captive and exclusive carriers within that channel. They are looking for their points of distribution to be larger and more self-sufficient uh, and lower cost. And they have a hard time, just like the independent agency carriers did for years, handling sort of smaller, less efficient agencies. And so they've pushed some of that out. As we've indicated before, um, they've determined that their direct-to-consumer is, is more cost-efficient. So some of them are not adding new captive agencies. Um, I think the bigger thing we see, though, is that insurance professional, that man or woman who is very successful in the captive channel, but they realize, wow, um, you know, as a captive, I write 10% or 12% of everything I quote, but I got a buddy that's an independent agency and they write 50, 60, 70, 80% of everything they quote. I could leave, honor my covenant, just go after the stuff I haven't written because I'm not competitive and build a heck of an agency. And so right on. Okay. It, it's sort of balanced, but I think it's more the latter. Got it. All right. Uh, another bullet point um, from, uh, from your presentation, data to identify and target the right client. So uh, hopefully agencies are already doing this in commercial lines. And as you and I have talked over, over the years, you know, we're, we're predominantly a small commercial player. Uh, we have middle market. We have large books, national accounts. But because of the type of agency we do business with, anywhere from startup up to maybe a 50 or $60 million premium agency, uh, they're in their communities. Uh, and, and so one of the things that we've seen over the years is how agencies, especially larger agencies, considered inefficient or ineffective to go after small commercial. I actually heard the quote from a lot, really large agency the other day that said, man, they're like weeds. We keep weed whacking these small business accounts and they keep showing up. We don't know what to do with them. And my response is, hey, we'll take them. Um, as independent <laughs> agencies, we'll write that small business all day long, but we have to do it efficiently and effectively. And the first way because the technology is not quite there yet. The first way to be effective and efficient to write small commercial is to target what your carriers write. You know, we have a tendency to go out and say, hey, Michael Jans, I want to write your insurance. Well, do you have a market for me? I don't know. I'll go find one, right? That's not really efficient. I think the other part of targeting the right clients, so, so on the commercial line side, it's targeting the clients or the classes of business that you know your carriers write. Right. And then if you've got to go not admit it or someplace else, you can. But that shouldn't be your first step. Right. On the personal line side, and this is where I think that there's been a miss, and this is where I think that there is more data available now. And it sort of brings me back to not writing the 
monoline auto, low limit, low retention, you know, low commission uh, business, but targeting, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if you want to call it mass affluent. I don't love that term. I actually like the term a uh, high value client. And when I use the term high value client, it's not mass affluent. It's not high net worth. It's high value client to my agency, right? And so high value client, I, I'm about 45 minutes north of Boston. It could be a five or $600,000 coverage A with two cars and a, a lake house and a pontoon boat or a Harley or a Corvette or something like that. But that same account with the $500,000 coverage A here north of Boston in central Ohio could be a $2,000 coverage A um, uh, $200,000 coverage A, but they still have all those policies. They still need an agent to take care of them and it's still sticky. So what I try and get agencies to identify is, look, let's find the client type in your community that is high value to your agency. Maybe it's targeting the personal lines clients that own businesses, or maybe it's going through and finding all the bops that you write and targeting, making sure you have the personal lines for those. So that's where I think that we've got an opportunity to target the right client. You know, all of us grew up in the industry where, you know, we, we were classified as order takers and there's just no reason for us to be order takers. We should be letting those clients that need our services and agencies know that we're here, we're ready, we're willing, and we have the right products and services. All right. Uh, circle back to small commercial for a moment. Um, no more than an hour ago, I was reading an article about Amazon making a, an announcement about selling small commercial lines through their platform. How does that strike you? Uh, well, I hope it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, they try that, didn't they try that a couple of years ago? Well, so, yeah, so you, oh, okay. <laughs> well, they, um, they, I, they have data. They know a lot about their customers. They do. Um, you know, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, clearly there's some, um, percentage of the population or probably a growing percent of the, of, of the population that is becoming, or is quite comfortable managing what you and I would call financial services online in, right. in a self-service mode. Right. Um, yeah. So, so what's your sense of that? Yeah, I don't. And I don't think that's new, right? I mean, look, Amazon getting into anybody's space should cause them pause, um, you know, there are very, look, there's, I'm going to pick on Insurion for a second, which I think is a great organization. Okay. Um, but Insurion, um, uh, is a, is a digital organization that is direct to consumer. They happen to be an independent agency, um, but they go direct to consumers, uh, through their digital platform to write small commercial and they're successful at it. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's enough business out there, but the other part that we've seen with some of this real small commercial, and we do write this as independent agencies, especially my folks is, is what is it that's being written? Is it a single line, like gig economy type policy, or are these sort of larger type policies? Like, are you really going to do your workers comp through Amazon? Um, right. So I think it's one thing for me to do like, Hey, I, I'm working out of the house and I need a bop. I need right? a bop. Right. Okay. That's right. Um, but I think once you expand beyond that, you're back to that, you know, I need an agent, right. Or I want an agent. Um, not, by the way, it might not be a need. It might be more of a want. Yeah. Okay. Well, it does, um, the longer discussion that maybe we'll have at another time, um, it, uh, the presence of the agent satisfies a psychological need that, um, digital, pure digital doesn't, right. right. You know, because we're, a, we're a tribal species. So that sense of, I, I got a guy, I've got a person, I got a team. I'm part of a little tribe watching out for me. 
it's there's, the there's, advisor, not to interrupt you, but it's the advisor and uh -huh. the advocate. You might not need us to do the transaction, but when the transaction doesn't work, you want our advice and you want our advocacy. Right? Yeah. That's right where on. we come in. Right on. Okay. Um, so uh, last bullet point in that area is uh, technology. Okay. Tech, uh, um, technology to build a low cost, agile business. That's, that's your bullet point. I'm going to ask you a question first is what we've used the term, or I think you've occasionally mentioned the digital agency. What do you, what does that mean to you now? How would you define that? And yeah, do you think so there is, are, is there more than one version of that? There, there is, and this is sort of fun. And, and in the book, I actually ask, I think in one of the very early chapters, uh, take a piece of paper out and uh, it's actually in one of the worksheets and write down your definition of a digital agency. And then when you get to the end of the book, I say, now go back to that page and write it again and tell me if you think of the same thing. You know, traditionally, um, well, let me go backwards. So back in 2019, you know, we at SIA had this great idea that we would create a, a virtual trade show um, and we would invite all the insure techs and the carriers. And what we wanted to do was build a, a turnkey digital agency. This is what we think all independent agencies should do for their technology. And as we started to put the show together and bring the vendors in and the guest speakers, carriers, insure techs, all that stuff, what we realized, and we just should have known better, but what we realized is if you've seen one independent agency, you've seen one independent agency. And so we all <laughs> think we're unique. Uh, we all think we do things a little differently. We're, 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 we're violently entrepreneurial in, in how we do things. And so what we realized is we just need to create a path for independent agencies to understand their digital needs and their digital capabilities. And we determined that you take an agency and you have to break it down into four areas relative to digital capabilities. And it's marketing, operations, service, and sales. And, and then what we did at SIA, and this is available for anybody, you can go to my website and download it, but we created a digital scorecard where an agency can go in and they can plug in uh, how they do in those areas, marketing and operations, service and sales, and it will give them a score, right? And for those of us that have school age kids, all we know is, is, is if you get a bad grade, uh, that means you're learning how to do it the right way. And so what the scorecard does is it, is it gives you the ability as the agency to figure out where your weaknesses are, right? We all have to improve on our weaknesses. Once we do that stuff, then we can continue to build on our strengths. So, so we look to sort of make those tools available to the agencies. And then the final piece that we do with that digital scorecard is, is we really encourage agencies to have their staff fill it out because as principals, we certainly look at our business and our capabilities much different than our staff does. Mm -hmm. And so I, in the book, I really encourage principals to ah. um, get the honest feedback from their staff about how they view the digital capabilities. And for a lot of principals, by the way, it could be a much younger person answering those questions that have that different view. And that's how we get better because these are our employees of the future and these are our clients of the future too. Got it. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about the future. Um, and again, I'm going to circle back to something you said uh, earlier about the travel agencies that survived. One of their distinguishing features is that they actually delivered services beyond the sale of the ticket. Um, reminds me of a um, uh, Ernst Young um, uh, report that came out about three years ago. Uh, I think Sam Friedman wrote it where he... Uh, he determined based on their survey that 60% of small business owners felt like they got no value from their agent other than the purchase of the policy. So 
We can't really call that a service. So um, clearly one of the distinguishing uh, capacities of the independent insurance agent is that they can, they can create services, they can create innovation, they can deliver something that's proprietary, they can deliver something unique that kind of arises or emerges from the depth and the strength of their relationship with a marketplace. Um, and yet, you know, frankly, uh, it's a, it's a skill set that perhaps a lot of agents don't have. Um, it's an investment. So in other words, when we create and build services, uh, we generally don't see the return by next Tuesday. It's a, it's a longer, uh, return, but often quite significant. Um, so uh, talk to us for a moment about, um, in, in the ideal world, what service does an agency provide their client base? Yeah, and, and so th that last that last question is sort of key to, to to your statement right there is is what do we service? Is providing certificates a service? Is you know uh, uh, doing auto changes, taking bill payments? Are those a service? Um, maybe for some part of our customers they are, but are those not things that we could give the customer the ability to do at nine o'clock at night at home or at, at four o'clock in the afternoon when some of the agencies are closed already? And so I think the question is, is what are the services that we need to be providing? Um, is it not, hey, uh, uh, Michael, I saw you added a car over the weekend uh, directly with XYZ Insurance Company. Uh, I'm calling to make sure it's all set. I'm double checking that everything's there. By the way, you added this new car is it time to talk about that umbrella right that's service service isn't hey i need the vin number so i can add this for you yeah uh and so i, I think that there's a, a mix there i think the other part of the service piece is and i mentioned this earlier is how do we provide that service right we still expect well you know you know a human always answers the phone and we always answer it on the first ring. And, you know, you know, I, I'm not sure we're creating the most convenient scenarios with some of those things. When I know me personally, um, when I'm tired at night, I'd rather go online and do it myself uh, with, with, with a lot of the stuff I, I do in the other parts of my life. So I would say that there's two things on the service piece. One, what are you doing for service? And is it truly service or is it busy work and you call it service? Uh, the next thing is, are you providing the right choice for meeting your customer's need for service? Because if you don't, they're going to find it someplace else. And I'm actually going to add now a third to this, even though we're coming out of it. But I'm sure you've come across this uh, specifically in the last year. The pandemic was a great time for agencies to shine. And there were agencies that stepped up in their communities and they helped their other fellow small business owners uh, and they and and they made outbound calls and they made sure that they were adjusting payrolls quickly um, and they were proactive. In some instances, many insurance agencies were sending out the uh, information on the payroll protection plans uh, and they were proactively sharing that stuff. Carriers were giving agencies information that we could pass out to their clients. And it was really funny because I would talk to some agencies excuse me, in the, in the height of the pandemic. And they'd say, oh my God, I'm having the best year ever. Um, like I have people calling me and they're all coming in from referrals. And all I did was these three or four things with my clients, but they're now sending all their friends to us because their agent 
didn't do a damn thing. And, and then we would talk to other agencies, uh, and this was a much, 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 much smaller number that would say, wow, man, I'm dying. This is awful. The phone's not ringing. I can't get any business. You know, all my clients are going out of business. They're all leaving. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I know where they went. They went to the other guy, uh, the other lady. So I, I think that, that, you know, there was an opportunity in the pandemic for some agencies to really shine. And, and you know, I'm bullish just in small business, not even in the insurance industry, but small businesses in general. I think what we've seen in the last 12 months, although many businesses unfortunately didn't make it, the ones that did, uh, including insurance agencies, are going to be incredibly value and strong businesses for a long time to come because they just went through something which was probably the most traumatic thing that many of us will have gone through as a society uh, in our lifetime. Right on. Okay. I got one last question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bundle two of your bullet points together. Um, one of them refers to staff operating as sales, not service. And the other one, I'm, I'm throwing it together because I think they're related. Business development um, at the point of sale or distribution. Yeah. Um, we have to work in our business where we create value. And, you know, theoretically, technically, legally, however you want to frame it, we do work for the insurance companies as agents. And so uh, while we have to apply the appropriate coverage, we have to do all the things for our customers. Um, we also have to make sure that um, the people that pay us, the businesses that pay us see value in what we do. And I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to the service again. If we're making changes and, you know, processing bills and, and doing stuff like that, are we delivering value to the insurance process uh, or are we doing something that somebody else can do from a lower cost standpoint? And so the carriers, uh, they view us as distribution. Right. I mean, nobody wants to be a number, but the basic fact is, is the carriers view us as agents as distribution. So if we're not providing distribution, we're not providing the appropriate value proposition. The other part of it is sort of so that's offense, right? Offense is for carriers. We have to be distribution. We have to develop business. The other part of it is sort of defense for the agencies, which is um you know, if you're an agency that's staffed for service, I'm just going to, you interviewed Tony Caldwell. I, I don't know if he used this quote, but several years ago, he said, if your title is customer service rep, you may need to look for a new job. <laughs> and, and so if we're an agency that's staffed for service, whether we like it or not, carriers are going to create more service capabilities. The AMS systems are going to create more service capabilities. Service is going to be offloaded over time. So if we're not making that change to business development and sales now, we're going to get caught flat-footed in a couple of years. I'm not saying we have to go all the way, but I'm saying we have to start to move in that direction. Very good. All right. I have one last question for you, Matt. You've got a plenty big soapbox of your own, but if you were going to jump on mine and knock me off and like deliver one, a, a non-commercial message to the industry, to the leaders, to the to the principals and owners of independent insurance agencies throughout the U.S., what is it that you want to say? What do you want them to pay attention to? Yeah, I I think that the future of the independent agency distribution channel from the brokers down to the startup independent agencies, uh, we have to adapt to what the consumer wants, how they want it and when they want it. We are an industry that is set up and created on how we, how we do our submissions, how we do our process, how our applications ask us our questions. Consumer doesn't care. 
They want it when they want it. They want it how they want it. And and we have to provide that. So I would urge the industry, uh, you know, and the carriers to continue to invest in capabilities that allow us to evolve with the consumer. Because if Amazon does get this figured out, it's going to have to be all hands on deck uh, for all of us to be able to compete in that space. I'd rather be ready to do it than chasing it from behind when the time comes. Very good. All hands on deck. Okay. Um, Matt, so um, if people want to give you a few options here, um, get your book, find find out about your book. If they want to learn more about SIAA or somehow reach out to you or your organization, what are the best ways to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my book's available on Amazon. Just look up Insurance Agency uh, 4.0. If you do want to do a little bit of research on the book, you can visit my personal website, which is uh, just mattmassiello.com. Um, and uh, if you want to go right to the book page, it's mattmassiello.com forward slash IA40. Uh, and then to learn more about SIA, it is just simply SIAA.com. And that'll get folks information on the overall organization. I think more importantly, that's a gateway to actually get information to our local partners. Uh, we have local partners in the communities around the country that can actually have conversations with agencies uh, that will be real time and, and real effective based on what they're seeing in your area as well. Got it. All right. Uh, Matt, once again, terrific conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. Took lots of notes on my own. And um, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Yeah, no, great conversation. And I look forward to your program that's coming out as well very soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.